Spider-Man is not only one of the most recognizable and iconic comic book characters of all time, but he's just one of the most recognizable and iconic characters of all time. Whether you're looking at his comic book stories or his movie adaptations, pretty much everyone has heard of Spider-Man, even if you're not the biggest movie fan. Today, I'm going to walk you through all eight Spider-Man movies, and I'm going to rank them from the worst to the best. You're listening to Film Code Podcast. My name is Nathan Pig. We're doing something a little bit different. This is a solo episode for me. I'm going to walk you through all of the Spider-Man movies, all eight of them, and give you my personal ranking. Just a heads up, this is spoilers talk, so... Uh, if you haven't seen one of the Spider-Man movies and I talk about it, just go ahead and feel free to skip on to the next one or just be warned. This is a, a, a spoiler conversation. So watch the Spider-Man films, come back and give this a listen. Film Code Podcast, just real quick, guys, is a podcast where we record, talk about pretty much everything. We have extensive episodes right now talking about all the big releases like Tenant, Devil all the time. I'm thinking of ending things. We've also done movies like Avengers Endgame, Uncut Gems. There's so much uh, content we have. So please go ahead and check that out. Like I said, Film Code Podcast. However you're listening to this right now, you can find us on there. Like I said, my name is Nathan Pig. You can find me on Letterbox at Nathan Pig. There's a little lightning symbol next to my name. That's how you know you've got the right guy. And let's get into talking Spider-Man. So for these eight films, obviously something's got to come in last. So I'm going to start with number eight. And for me, I do have a bit of an untraditional order, especially here at the bottom. I think the big thing to keep in mind, guys, is just remember, this is my opinion. Your opinion could be completely wrong. Some of these might offend you. And that's okay. That's the beauty of movies, especially for a character like Spider-Man that we all love so much. So please just keep in mind, this is my personal rankings. I'll try to defend them as best I can, but at the end of the day, your ranking will probably look different than mine, and that's okay. So coming in last place for me is going to be The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I'm not really sure why this movie is even a thing, to be quite honest with you. It came out just five years after Raimi's Spider-Man 3, and it just really has no reason to exist. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, to me, is very awkward um, I know that's the point that that Spider-Man's supposed to be like this high school awkward kid, but Andrew Garfield doesn't even play awkward well. Like he's awkward playing awkward, if that makes sense. Um, I just, I don't buy him as Spider-Man. I know there's a lot of people out there who love Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, but not me personally. Um, I, I, I just can't see it. I think he delivers a very weird performance despite the awkward teenager he's trying to play. Uh, another thing with, it coming out just five years after Spider-Man 3 is it tries to be different than the Raimi trilogy. And I think in some aspects, some, it works out well, like having Gwen Stacy as the love interest, as opposed to the traditional MJ. I think that works really well. But for the most part, it just seems so recycled and rehashed, especially in certain things like waiting for him to get bit 
and things like that. Uncle Ben dying. Um, it's just, it's so recycled and there's just really no need. And I, I have to ding it for that. I have to ding it for being so simple, uh, similar, excuse me. I have to ding it for being so similar to the Raimi trilogy, just because why did Tony put this out? Why? Another thing that really frustrated me about this movie is how Peter physically becomes Spider-Man. He kind of just walks into this science lab that has a bunch of spiders and experiments. I, I don't know. That really bothered me personally. I didn't really understand what they were going for there. And I know they wanted to try and be different than the traditional, just, oh, a spider. But I, I, I didn't like it at all. There are several scenes that I think just aren't necessary, like Peter and Gwen eating dinner. Even Ben's death feels a little unnecessary. I know it's totally Spider-Man lore to have Uncle Ben die, and then you know he realizes with great power comes great responsibility, but it just didn't feel right inside this movie. I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, guys. This whole movie just does not feel right at all. Lizard is a horrible villain. Um, the fight choreography is, I, I feel like it's almost intentionally bad whenever Lizard's doing anything. The design of Lizard himself looks fine. Whenever he's fighting Spider-Man or fighting something else, it almost looks like they're trying to make it look bad. So the Amazing Spider-Man all around was just a very, very big disaster, in my opinion. Um, not a lot of people have this number one, or I'm sorry, last, but it definitely is in my book. So coming in at number seven is going to be The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I know a lot, a lot of people are going to hate on me for having the sequel ahead of the original. But at least hear me out on this. I know that story-wise, it's not nearly um, what number one is in a lot of people's eyes. And I can kind of see where you're coming from. I just disagree. Jamie Foxx, fantastic actor, but delivers a an awkward performance. This is definitely the low life of Jamie's career. Um, and then Paul Giamatti as the Rhino was a great casting, but a character that they had no idea what they wanted to do with. He appears in the beginning, but isn't even really Rhino, or even if he is, they don't tell you that. And then at the end, he's just walking around the city in his giant armor and just screaming his head off like a lunatic. And it's just none of it works. None of it works at all. I think the villains are handled so poorly in this movie. And I know they were trying to set up something like the Sinister Six, but I, I just don't think it worked out at all. But where this movie comes in better than the original for me is, first of all, it's way more entertaining. I think that is something that was inevitable. When they watched the first Amazing Spider-Man, they were like, we have to make this more entertaining. We have to make this more watchable. and I really like that. Um, you know, obviously we want to see in comic book movies, we want to see a lot of action. And I think they handled this, this pretty well, but the big thing, and, and like I said, guys, spoiler talk here. Uh, this is a pretty big spoiler is the killing of Gwen Stacy. I think that that was handled so well. I know a lot of people beam it. A lot of people hate that, but I love it because it shows stakes. It shows that what we're building for actually means something. Too many comic book movies nowadays don't have any stakes. Everyone ends up, the villain gets caught, everyone comes away unscathed, unharmed, and it's just, yay, a real big carnival. 
that's what most comic book movies are nowadays. And it's, it's frustrating because you feel like there's no stakes. You feel like everything you just did, you know, it, it, it brings a certain unrealistic aspect. So I love that Gwen Stacy gets killed off. That whole scene is magnificent. Best thing to come out of the two Mark Webb movies. I absolutely love that. Um, but switching back to the negative just real quick is Dane DeHaan as Green Goblin. Like I said, I know they're trying to set up the Sinister Six, but his performance as Harry Osborn was just, I, I have no idea how to even describe it other than it being just atrocious, awful, disaster. If you can think of a word worse than that, that's what it was. His performance was awful. The writing of the character was even worse. Everything, everything about the Green Goblin in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was just dreadful and atrocious. Um, so from the villain aspect, from the storyline aspect, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is not a good movie at all. But with the killing of Gwen Stacy, that whole scene, how emotional that was, that really uh, bought, I, I really bought in to the Spider-Man 2 after that. And just, it was more entertaining. So I know a lot of people are gonna, gonna dig on me for having The Amazing Spider-Man 2 ahead of The Amazing Spider-Man, but at the end of the day, I'd rather watch that. Coming in at number six for me is gonna be Spider-Man 3, directed by Sam Raimi. I know this is another one that people love, especially on film Twitter, and I get it, I do, because this is a very entertaining movie. Um, it, Definitely has that comic book movie feel. You have Venom come into the mix, who's just an absolutely iconic Spider-Man character. And it's awesome. But when you look at it on the surface level for how it is as a movie, it's all over the place. And it kind of stinks that, that this was the end to Sam Raimi's trilogy. It's well documented that he wanted to do a fourth, but obviously that never ended up happening. So rumor is that Raimi wanted nothing to do with Venom in this story, but the studio, Sony, pushed the agenda and forced him to put Venom in the film. And I'm not really going to blame Sam Raimi himself for that, but I have to judge the movie as a whole because Raimi didn't want to do it, Venom's still in it, and how he's handled is just like an afterthought. And you can't have Venom in the movie as an afterthought. He literally literally comes out of nowhere, falls out of the sky, follows Spider-Man home. It's just uncharacteristic of a Sam Raimi villain. He always sets up his villains pretty well, you know, whether it's Goblin or New Goblin or Doc Ock or even Sandman, they all have a compelling backstory. Meanwhile, Venom just falls out of the sky. And while I realize Venom's not a person, like those other people I just mentioned, he still is a villain. And I don't think Venom works at all in the story. Yes, it's fun to see Topher Grace. Yes, it's, it's kind of cool but ugly what they do with the CGI. But Venom just holds this movie back significantly. I did like that Sandman was in this movie. I like what they could have done with him a little bit more. I don't really like how he falls in the sand trap and how he becomes, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, becomes Sandman. That's a little too cheesy for me, but I like that they connected it back to Uncle Ben's death. And a lot of you say that they didn't, they were pulling from 
old storylines, but I, I like it. I think it adds, it makes the Spider-Man trilogy a lot more well-rounded as a whole because life is well-rounded. There are situations like this that literally could happen. Um, so I really liked that portion of how he was connected to Uncle Ben's death and he, he wanted to save him, but how he physically becomes Sandman and how he's utilized afterwards is just pretty crazy. Um, and then there's Peter and MJ, who they're all over the place in their relationship. MJ is not very friendly in this movie. Um, I'm going to keep it PG-13, but she is not very friendly, kind of not likable. Um, Peter kisses someone as propaganda for the media, and MJ loses her mind. Loses her mind! MJ is an actress in Spider-Man Trilogy. She kisses people all the time on stage as an actress. What's the difference? What's the difference? Peter literally kissed someone as propaganda to hype up the crowd at this big rally. I, I, I don't understand why she got so mad. It's not like it was out of love or anything like that because it really wasn't. And then finally, I'll, I'll talk good about this uh, and on a good note for Spider-Man 3. I think the redemption of New Goblin, of James Franco's character, is just so awesome. Um, gets all the comic book feels. Of course, it doesn't necessarily make sense that the butler tells him about his father's death like years after it happens. I, I'm well aware of all those issues. But his redemptive arc, his character arc is fantastic. I loved it. Inject that into my veins. I wish we could have gotten uh, a Spider-Man 4 where he's in it. Maybe they revive him. I don't know. I, I just loved everything about it. James Franco had a great performance. And Spider-Man 3 just overall is a little bit of a mess. But there's definitely some great moments inside of it. And that actually really leads into my next point, which is Spider-Man Far From Home coming in at number five for me. I know that a lot of you guys absolutely love this movie. And you're probably going to hate me for putting it at number five. But the reality is, is this movie has some problems. It really does. I saw this movie opening night, and it wasn't a great theater experience, but that has nothing to do with it, because I rewatched it a couple months back at my home during quarantine, and I was like, maybe the theater experience hurt my opinion of this movie, and it really didn't. Now, for those of you who absolutely adore this movie, I'll tell you what. It is fun. It's very fun for a comic book movie that's what you want. You can't have a comic book movie that's not fun. And I was a little harsh on it when I talked about it back when it first came out. But fun only takes you so far. Uh, I have a ton of issues with this film. Um, it's way too joke heavy. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that there's no stakes, there's no serious time. And I know that Following Avengers Endgame, you need a more lighthearted film. Trust me, I'm well aware of that. But at the end of the day, they sacrifice dramatic moments for jokes. You have Nick Fury laying out the plan to Spider-Man, and he's talking in front of an open door. And there's two or three people that come to the door, interrupt them. Really? Really? I, I personally don't find that funny. Um, I, I felt like this was teenage humor for a lot of it. Don't get me wrong. Some of it's funny, but all of it just collectively, just, it, it felt like teenage humor. 
you can't keep sacrificing dramatic moments for jokes. And I felt like a 14 year old wrote this script. Um, I also think there's a motivation with Mysterio. Um, I hate that the two main Spider-Man villains we got inside the MCU, Vulture and Mysterio, both are motivated because they hate Tony Stark. Uh, I thought these were Spider-Man movies. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing Tony Stark. I love seeing Iron Man in Spider-Man Homecoming. I thought that was very original and unique. But even when he's dead, because he dies in Avengers Endgame, even when he's dead, he's still popping up in all these Spider-Man movies. I don't get it. Can we let Spider-Man have his own movie that's not crutched by Iron Man? Can we let that happen? Disney, I'm going to call Disney up and ask them that. Because they keep relying on the character of Iron Man to fuel the villains. Think about it. Vulture hated Iron Man at the beginning of Homecoming. Mysterio hates Iron Man because he's a disgruntled Stark employee. I just hate that. Can we have a villain that's motivated because he hates Spider-Man? That's just so obnoxious. Um, I do want to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, though. Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my favorite actors, uh, only second to Christian Bale, actually. And he's fantastic in everything he's in. He's just so talented. Um, Michael Keaton and Jake Gyllenhaal, both two fantastic actors for these villains inside of the MCU. Jake Gyllenhaal kills it. Love it. I have big problems with Mysterio as a character, but Gyllenhaal's performance, you'll never hear me complain about that. Um, and then the two post-credit scenes, and again, spoiler, if you're if you're still listening to this and you haven't watched Spider-Man Far From Home, that's on you. But the two end credit scenes, as far as first one with the scrolls, I thought that was so awesome. I can't wait to see how they set that up. And then with Mysterio revealing Peter's identity to get the return of J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, easily two of the best post-credit scenes the MCU has ever given us. And I was all over that. I love those post-credit scenes. And it's still a very fun movie, like I said. I gave this a positive score. I'm not hating on it. But at the end of the day, this makes too many missteps. And it's like a teenager movie. So I just, I can't get put it any higher than five at this point for all those missteps. Number four for me is the original Spider-Man by Sam Raimi. This was the big comic book movie at the time. I wasn't alive for that. Well, I was alive, but I wasn't going to the theater, excuse me, um, to really recognize how much of an impact this made, but I've heard about it. And I love this movie. Um, just the way that Raimi's able to craft this world, craft Peter Parker, the way that he gets bit by a spider, uh, Uncle Ben's storyline. I think all of it is done just so well. And Raimi really gives spider-man a great origin story for the mcu where we haven't gotten a spider-man origin story i think that spider-man 2002 does a fantastic job of all of that you feel uncle ben's uncle ben's death excuse me and it's just so real throw in willem dafoe who's just such a talented actor as norman osborne love seeing willem dafoe in anything he's in and he's just so talented brings some life he's menacing as Norman Osborn and Green Goblin and then that ending fight between them is so riveting Green Goblin gets a lot of great character moments there's a lot a lot a lot to love about 2002 Spider-Man 
where I'm a little bit hesitant, what holds it back a little bit for me is I don't like that Norman Osborn is controlled by his suit or controlled by some inner demons. I, I just don't like that. Um, it would have been a lot better if he felt wronged by a certain group of people or by Spider-Man and he wanted to, you know, fix that. I, I think that would have been just so much better than what we get. I don't like the talking suit. I, I think that's just a huge motivation problem for me. Um, but outside of that, I really have no problems with this film. This is a great film and introduced us to the first of many Spider-Man films. Cracking our top three is Spider-Man Homecoming. This is such a fun film that actually has stakes and actually does things well. Where I ripped Spider-Man Far From Home for being too little kiddish, too jokey, and has some plot holes as well, Spider-Man Homecoming cuts down on that. Yes, it has some of the same humor, but it's not overboard with it. It's not shoving it down your throat. I love Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Maybe my favorite MCU villain that's not Thanos. Michael Keaton just brings such a gravitas and I hate to reuse the same word, but menacing uh, feel to this film. And he's perfect. He's perfect. You want to talk about the twist where, you know, Peter is getting ready for, for homecoming, like the dan the school dance. And Michael Keaton opens the door and you realize that that's Adrian Toomes. That's just, I'm sorry, not Adrian Toomes, but Vulture. That was just so great. Um, I loved everything about that turn and it was wonderful and actually yes it is Adrian Toomes I don't know what I was thinking sorry about that but so many awesome moments I will say that Iron Man was needed in this film he was a good crutch uh, for just this first film I liked it I liked the introduction of Scorpion even though he was just such a minor character uh, still like seeing him pop up even Donald Glover had a meaningful role inside this movie um, I think this might be the most rewatchable Spider-Man film as well. Pretty much everything across the board is done aw uh, pretty well in this movie. The scenes are awesome, whether it is Peter climbing the uh, Washington Monument or even him just joking around with Ned. There's so many great moments inside the movie, and I really, really enjoyed this. If there's anything negative about it, it's that final fight with... Uh, Adrian Toomes, Vulture, it's a little bit underwhelming. Um, Spider-Man, really, we don't really get that much of good action in it. So if there's anything that holds it back, I would say it's that. But still, fantastic movie. So we've come down to the final two, and they are probably the two most popular Spider-Man movies, at least in my eyes. I think from what I see in the film community, the two most popular Spider-Man movies uh, and that would be Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Both fantastic films. Um, so I go back and forth, but after my Spider-Man rewatch this summer, I have a definitive one and a definitive two. So I'm excited to get into it. Runner-up is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think this movie is just so creative. Definitely one of the most creative movies of all time. Um, they found a way to tell the Spider-Man story, which had previously made, uh, since this was before Far From Home, had previously made six Spider-Man movies since 2002, and they found a way to make it different. 
I love all of the villains inside of this film. You have Doc Ock, who is a woman, which I love the change there. You have, um, excuse me, you have Kingpin, you have Prowler, you have a couple more villains pop up. I love it. For a two hour movie, they were able to throw so many villains in there. And as a Spider-Man fan, that almost rewards us to see all these great villains. I also love making Peter a person of color. I think that was so unique and so cool and a change that was much needed. And I hope this pushes other superhero franchises to do something similar. So that was awesome. And then you have to talk about this voice cast. Mahershala Ali, Zoe Kravitz, John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage, Haley Steinfeld. There are so many great voices to do this movie. And I'm sure a lot of people were skeptical when it came out. I know I was skeptical because of how it looked how it felt, another Spider-Man movie, really? But absolutely won me over. That voice cast helped a lot. But think about this. All of the multiverse talk has really came up because of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I know it's from the comics, but Spider-Verse proved that you can put it on the big screen and make it understandable to general audiences. Think about we got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming out soon uh, in the next couple of years in the MCU. If Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse didn't happen, I don't think that would be happening either. This is just so creative, so unique. It's funny. It's fun. I can see why it has a 4-4 on Letterboxd and is revered as one of the best films of the decade. The only thing that bumps it back for me from the number one spot is... There's just a couple things I don't like. I think the setup takes a little bit too long. Um, I don't really love how some of our villains die, specifically Prowler. I don't like that they have Prowler and Spider-Man. You know, they have that nice emotional moment and then they get shot right away. Don't necessarily love that. I think that really takes the air out of the room when that happens. And then in the final fight, Doc Ock gets hit by a bus. Um, I think that's so random and unneeded. And it felt like they kind of sacrificed a great character for a joke. Didn't like that at all. Maybe she'll pop back up in, in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse 2. Um, but got to take it as what it is right now. I think as much as I love these villains, they, they died kind of lame. So our top spot, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man 2, directed by Sam Raimi, came out in 2004. This is everything I want in a Spider-Man movie. I get so excited just talking about it. I have a poster downstairs here in my apartment of Spider-Man 2. This just gives you everything. You have a compelling villain in Alfred Molina's Otto Octavius. He does a fantastic job. You have Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Excuse me, I just completely botched that name. But nonetheless, between Peter and MJ have a great relationship. Um, Willem Dafoe is listed as being in this movie, but he's not. It's more so just flashbacks and voiceovers. Uh, James Franco as well does a great job. I, I just think so much of this movie is so comic booky, it but still has stakes. It's fun. There's great action. There are several plot lines that you can buy into and are compelling. 
Doc Ock is a good villain, and you have that hero sacrifice at the end, that redemptive arc, with Doc Ock eventually, you know, recognizing his mistakes and eventually sacrificing himself for the city. That is such a great arc. And of course, that ending, you have Spider-Man with his mask off and MJ. Awesome, awesome film. I love everything about Spider-Man 2, and that's why it comes in at the top spot of my Spider-Man ranked. So real quick, I would go through them one last time. Number eight is The Amazing Spider-Man. Seven, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Six, Spider-Man 3. Five, Spider-Man Far From Home. Four, the original Spider-Man 2002. Three, Spider-Man Homecoming. Two, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And one, Spider-Man 2. So that's a lot of Spider-Man, guys. Um, Hopefully this was your fill of Spider-Man movies. Like I said, this is just my list. It's not the right list. Your list probably looks different. Yeah, so hopefully that was a fun little thing for you guys. I would love to do more stuff like this, but I got to know that you guys enjoy it. I got to know that you guys are listening to it. So however you are listening to this, please go ahead and give a positive review, five stars, however it is you do that, and let us know that you're listening. You know, head over to my letterbox, at Nathan Pig. Let me know you interact with us. Let me know that you've listened to this episode. I'd be more than happy to give you a follow back. If you let me know that you listen to the show, we'll be happy to talk about more Spider-Man or other movies with you as well. So like I said, give me a follow over on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig, and then give a follow to the show at Film Code Pod over on Twitter. Twitter is easily our biggest platform. We do a bunch of fun things to interact with you guys and try to just kind of talk movies with everyone. Um, I was the only person talking specifically on this show, but overall we have four hosts. We talk about a wide variety of things. If you enjoyed this episode, I guarantee you will like our giant episodes of the Film Code Podcast. A lot of Spider-Man today. Really enjoyed talking about that. And hopefully you guys enjoyed listening as well. From Film Code Podcast, this is Nathan Pig. Thanks, guys.